Morning. Hey. Uh, so we're starting a brand new series today, and I'm excited to kick this off. It's called Amazing Stories, and we're going to be looking at some stories in the Bible that are kind of crazy, kind of ridiculous, um, some stories that, that maybe you've read through and maybe it left you scratching your head a bit. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I, I think that, that we hear stories sometimes, not necessarily in the Bible, but like in, in conversation. And people are telling us a story and sometimes it starts out real believable and then it goes to a whole new place. It, it starts out and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can get on board with this. But then by the middle of it, you're like, what? This is too ridiculous. Stories get too big, too unbelievable. And we just kind of, we, we half jokingly say to them, um, sir, have you been drinking? Right? Or, or uh, are you sure you didn't dream this? What were you smoking at the time that it took place? Do you have any more? Um, uh, like stories get too big sometimes and we think uh, there's no way that this is true, right? Um, I, as I was thinking about these amazing stories and how we just don't believe them sometimes, I think back to uh, a movie, um, and I'm pretty sure this guy won, a, he won an Academy Award, he had to have. Uh, Chunk from the Goonies, if you've seen the Goonies. I don't think really you want anything, but Chunk was this little fat kid, all right, and he saw the most amazing thing he'd ever seen, all right, it was a police chase through the middle of their little town in Maine, and so he goes to his friends, and he's, he's trying to tell them this story, the, the most incredible thing he'd ever seen, and, um, and, and, and they don't even let him get any, any of the story out, they're like, oh, was it more amazing than the time that you ate your weight in pizza? He's like, no, wait, wait. It, was it more amazing than the time that you helped those old people from that fire? Was it more amazing than the time that Michael Jackson stopped at your house and asked if he could use the bathroom? And, and Chunk, poor guy, I feel for him, all right? I feel for him because like some of you out there, I've told some stories that people just don't believe, right? Let me tell you this one. And I'm telling you this story knowing that everybody that I've ever told it to, nobody, I don't know if any, maybe my wife believes me maybe like i like i was talking to her the other night and i was like but you believe me right and she's like mm-hmm <laughs> right like i i know that my parents told me okay i was i was five years old all right she's already laughing at me five years old and i was uh i, I was it, it was a summer afternoon and i was in my room uh my room was on the second floor that's an important detail and I was, uh, my, my aunt and my uncle were, at, were, were visiting from Washington State. And, um, and I was sitting in my window, not like with my back through the window. The window was up because it was hot and we had a screen in. And I, I was sitting there, maybe like sideways, like had a, had a foot in the window or whatever. I don't know how I was sitting, but I was sitting to, to the point where my feet weren't touching the ground because I was little. And I was, anyway, I got kind of wobbly and I started to fall. I fell out of my window. I was on the second floor above the, the deck. My screen crashed onto the deck before i got all the way out the window i grabbed on so there i am hanging out of my window and i see my aunt and my uncle walk by and either i don't call for help or they just don't hear me i can't really remember exactly what went on there but i'm hanging there and whether it was just a few seconds or whether it was a couple minutes or whatever but i climbed back in my window now to this day my parents do not believe me in fact they poke fun at me. They say, he was hanging by one hand all afternoon. Look, I remember all kinds of details from my aunt and uncle's trip. Like, I was five. I remember them coming. I remember um, 
the fact that they, they were walking by my door because my, my cousins um, were taking a bath, all right? And so they were going to check on them. And I also remember that my cousins, like I had these foam toys, they bit them, right? Like I remember details about this. I don't understand why, if I remember these details, why they think I would make this up. And they bit them, and like to this day, if we still had them, they're probably in the garbage. Those, those foam toys have teeth marks in them from my cousins. Thanks a lot. I remember also that we were sitting around playing Nintendo in the living room, me and, and my cousins, and something began to stink a little. And, uh, and I was like, it's Sarah. It's my younger cousin. I was like, it's Sarah. They took her out, checked her. It was me. I was sitting on a pile right now. Uh, and I was five. All right. But like, I remember details of this story. Look, it doesn't matter whether, and, and many of y'all, y'all like, you dream that, right? You dream that when you were young and you just have grown to believe it. And this isn't a pastor story. This isn't like, I didn't build this up for dramatic effect. Like, this is how I've been telling this story for years, all right? I promise you, like, me and God know what happened. And that's really, that's probably good enough for me. But look, there's a guy in the Bible who I believe that he told some stories and people just did not believe him. Because the stuff that he saw, the stuff that God showed him was ridiculous. And, 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 I told Cliff and Donnie and Chris, if there was anybody on, in, in the Bible who was on drugs, it was Ezekiel. I mean, the stuff that Ezekiel saw, in, in Ezekiel chapter 1, it talks about how he sees these, these big wheels, these four wheels coming out of the sky with four spinning wheels on the inside of them, like God dropped a Hummer. That's my professor in college. God dropped a Hummer with spinners onto the earth, and, and he was like trying to explain it. He's like, y'all, it was sweet. Right? He saw some more of those wheels in the sky. Maybe that was a helicopter or flying saucers, I don't know. And in, in Ezekiel chapter 3, um, God handed him a scroll and said, eat this. And so he, he ate it, all right? Like my daughter yesterday, she, she had a book in the back seat of the car and she was eating it. I turned around, I was so proud of her. Like, like what's exactly what Ezekiel was doing. God told him to eat this scroll, right? God told him to eat a scroll and he did. All right, but Ezekiel wasn't on drugs. He wasn't lying. God just showed him some really crazy stuff. So this morning, we're going to look at a story uh, out of the book of Ezekiel, uh, but, but let's pray first. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you showed some people some really crazy stuff in the Bible. God, I thank you that you did incredible things in the Bible, God, and that you do incredible things now. And God, I just ask for uh, your hand just to be on us this morning. God, that you would uh, do miracles in our lives. Lord, I thank you so much. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 37. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we will put it on the screen. If you can't find Ezekiel, no shame. It will be on the screen. All right. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. Let's stop for a second here. Um. It says that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel, that God took him by the Spirit and put him in a valley. I didn't even read this other part, did I? Put him in the middle. Of, it was full of bones. All right, that's important. We'll get to that in a little bit. But God put him in the middle of this valley that, that was full of bones. Now, people who are a lot smarter than me, they believe that this was a figurative bringing out, that this was done either through a vision or through a dream but I don't necessarily think that. The Hebrew word that's used there for he brought me out can be either a figurative or a literal bringing out. But I think that this really kind of reads like God literally grabbed Ezekiel and was like, come on, we're going to take you 
over here to this valley of bones. All right, and, and look, God's big enough, He's strong enough, He's powerful enough to do that. So I like to think that this literally happened. Now, if you don't, if you have problems or you want to debate that, Cliff is a good resource, right? But let's, let's keep reading here. Uh, the, the end of verse 1, it says that, that God took him to the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, verse 2. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. This valley was filled with bones. Bones everywhere. That's kind of it's kind of creepy, kind of eerie. It reminds me of like in The Lion King. Remember uh, Simba went to the, the elephant graveyard and there's just bones everywhere? Kind of a scary place for Simba to be. Like if we were in a valley that was filled with nothing but bones, I think that we would freak out. Um, the point here is that the, in this valley, there's two things that are alive. God and Ezekiel. Other than that, they were surrounded by death. Nothing living. Everything around them was dead. And that's the world we live in. Not that our world is in bad shape. Not that things are going bad or getting worse. We're surrounded by death. That co-worker that doesn't know the Lord. That, that, that the neighbor who they're cutting their grass right now because they don't go to church anywhere. They don't believe in Jesus. Dry bones. That, that, that mom or dad, sister or brother, cousin, nephew, aunt, uncle, grandmother, Whatever. That family member who doesn't know the Lord, who's not a Christian, they're not in bad shape. They're dead. They may be living physically, but spiritually speaking, they're, 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 they're dead. And it's not just like they've been dead and they're, oh, maybe we can revive them. No, they're dead so much so that the, this may sound gross. The flesh has rotted away. The organs have been picked clean. There's nothing but bones. And they've, been, they've been that way so long that, that they're they're dry. Ezekiel's in this valley, surrounded by nothing but bones. He's the, like God took him there. God's hand was on him. He's the only, the only living thing, and God had his hand on him. Everything else, away from God's touch, was dead. Now, I think that, that it, it kind of leaves out that, that Ezekiel probably was, was quite nervous in this valley. Because, of, like, if you were in your backyard, or, or you were on a trail somewhere and you like came across some bones you're like oh look look at these bones that's a those are deer bones neat right you'd like hey kids come over here look at these bones that's kind of cool or if you were digging like in your backyard like planting a garden you dug up some bones you wouldn't think anything but if you were digging in your backyard and you were dug up a human skull right you first off you call the authorities and then maybe change your pants all right it's like that that would be scary right and he's not in a valley filled with like animal bones, all neat, neat, dinosaur bones, human bones. That's scary, right? That would freak you out. I think that, that this morning we need to come to that realization of that's what, that's what we walk around in every day. And it's not that, 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 that we walk out and... and and everything's fine, or, or people are okay, or whatever. No, we walk out into a valley that's filled with dry bones. So God speaks to Ezekiel in verse 3. He says, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O God, you know. Now, other translations say, 
O sovereign Lord, only you can know. God says, hey, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, God, you're, you're the only one who knows the answer to that. Next couple of verses. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. God says to Ezekiel, look, speak to these bones and this is what I'm going to do. Like they're dead now, but I'm going to make them live. God is calling his shot like Babe Ruth pointing to the center field wall. Like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird saying off the skyscraper, through the window, back out the window, through the window again, off the scoreboard, nothing but net. Right? Like God's calling his shot. What he's about to do here is going to be crazy. Should we continue reading here? So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold... There were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. All right, Ezekiel spoke the words that God told him to say. Ezekiel said what God told him to say, and stuff started happening. Now, side note here, was there any power in Ezekiel? No. Did Ezekiel really have much to do with this? No. Like, God used him, yeah. But was it Ezekiel's power? No, it was all by the word of the Lord. It was all by God's power. Did any of this start happening? So uh, God, uh, Ezekiel speaks, and the bones start moving around, start rattling and connecting to one another. The toe bones connected to the foot bone. The foot bones connected to the ankle bone. Ankle bone, we, we know the song, right? I'd sing it for you, but Chris would probably resign on the spot. My, my, I'm so, I sing so beautifully, right? I'm not coming for your job, but... Actually, I'm a terrible singer. But uh, like the, the bones began to connect to one another. And, and in fact, that, that, that song was actually about this passage. All right? Like the bones began to connect to one another. And that's awesome. That's cool. Skeletons. That would be scary. But like God made a... But he didn't stop there. It says that the, the, the flesh grew on them. And muscles and tendons and organs grew. Like these weren't just empty bodies. These were fully ready-to-function bodies, they were still dead. There was no life in them. Where there were millions of bones, piles of bones everywhere, now there were piles and piles of bodies. Like, and if you thought that it would be creepy to be in a valley filled with nothing but human bones, imagine being in a valley filled with nothing but dead human bodies. That would be scary. All right? Like, I imagine that he's just, like, holding God's finger, like, oh, buddy. <laughs> right? See, here's the thing. These, these bones were changed by the Word of God. They were changed by the Word of God, but yet they were still dead. And I think in a room like this, there are people in here this morning that have been changed by the Word of God. They've heard the gospel so many times that they could read it, they could tell it back to you. Backwards and forwards. They, they, they've been changed by the Word of God. Maybe, maybe you've been coming to church and you've realized that there's some things in your life that you need to get straight or whatever. And you've been working on that. You've been changed by the Word, but yet you're still dead. You've never really given your life to Christ. 
We'll get back to that in a minute. Verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Ezekiel prophesied once again. And these, these bones that had become bodies came to life. Where there was no life, where there was nothing but death, the only life there was God and Ezekiel surrounded by death through God's word. There was life. An exceedingly great army is what the Bible says. I mean, that, that, that's incredible. That's an amazing story, right? Like, that's the, that's the series, Amazing Stories. That's an amazing story. But as cool as that story is, like, what does that have to do with us? Because if it means nothing for us, then we can just go home. But I think that we can learn a lot from it. Like I said, we walk out into a valley that, uh, of dry bones every day. See, every one of us, at some point in our lives, we were, we were dead. Ephesians 2.1 says that, that uh, and you were dead in, your trans- in the trespasses and sins. Like, you were dead. You were born into sin. You were born into death, really. And without Christ, that's all of us. At some point in our lives, we were all dead. But then, even further than that, like, now that some of us are alive, now that those of us who are alive are alive, we, we step out of our house every day, into a valley of dry bones. So I think that there are, there are two roles that we can play in this. Two roles that you can play in this story. One of two roles. All right. Either you're Ezekiel, standing in the middle of this valley, standing in the midst of death, or you're the dry bones, dead in your trespasses, dead in your sin. And just to put it in our terms, You've never accepted the grace of God. You've never been forgiven by Jesus. You're not a Christian, not that it's about titles, but you've never given your life to Christ. So let me, let me, let me talk to the bones first. Um, I debated whether I should say that, that, that there are two or three roles because uh, you've, you've got the bones and you've got the bodies. But whenever I thought about it, uh, cold, lifeless, dead body to me isn't much better than pile of dry bones. They're both dead. They're both dead, but, but, but maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've never been to church. Maybe the gospel is something that's kind of foreign to you. Or maybe you've been, been to church your whole life. And like I said, you, you've been changed by some of the things that you've heard. You know that you need to, to straighten your life out in this way. You know that you need to, maybe, maybe you, you came to church and you realized, the preacher said I need to quit this. The preacher said I need to start doing this. You've been changed. Like there have been things in your life that have changed because of the things that you've heard at church or the things that you've heard from God. But whenever it comes down to it, you've never really given him your life. Maybe he's changed parts of your life, but he hasn't actually given you life. In just a couple minutes, uh, we're going to have some music playing um, and, and our pastors are going to come forward. And I would, in, I would encourage you and invite you if you don't know Christ, 
step down and talk to one of these guys. If, if you don't know what that's all about, like if you just have all kinds of questions, we want to have this conversation with you. Or maybe you just know that you need to give your life to Jesus. I'm, my prayer is that right now that you would feel that, that you would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that you wouldn't let something like fear, what are people going to say about me? Or fear like, these Christians are kind of strange. That you wouldn't let something like pride get in your way. I'm a leader in the church. I've been a Christian all my life. I was a Christian all my life. Not, it wasn't until I was 18 that I really gave my life to Jesus. In just a minute, we'll give you a, a chance to respond, but to the Christians in the room. Now, a lot of times we hear these, these messages and, and it's like, oh, Blake's coming after the non-Christians. Oh, yeah. Off the hook. Wrong. Um, we, we, whether you wake up and your home is this valley of dry bones or whether you go to work and that's a valley of dry bones or you go to school or you go to Target or you go to the grocery store or you just walk out to your neighbor's house. Like we're surrounded by death. We're surrounded by people that need the gospel. So let me ask you the same question that God asked Ezekiel. Can these bones live? The answer is yeah. Absolutely they can live. But it's only by the power of God. It's only through God's word can they live. God wants them, like, in one of the Peters, I'm not sure which one, I'm not going to try to misquote it, but he says that, that God wants all to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. God wants all to be saved. Like, you, the bones in your life, whether that's friends or family members, God wants to raise up an army. They're dead now, but God wants them to live. So here's the thing. I think that what God said to Ezekiel, he says to us, prophesy to the bones. Tell them the good news. Tell them the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what God's done for you. Tell them the story, like stories out of the Bible. Tell them about God. Tell them how God has changed your life. How he's given you life. Prophesy to the bones. It's not like a name it and claim it type thing. Like if you prophesy to the bones, it's not going to be like they're immediately going to be like, you're right, I need to repent. I'm going to turn from my sins. Immedi- it, may not, it may be like that. Hope it is. But the point is, is will you be obedient to the Lord in this? Because I feel like this is what God says, not only to Ezekiel, but to us. Prophesy to the bones. I was reading the book of Jonah this week. And like we know, we, 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 we know the story of Jonah. He was swallowed by a giant fish. Cool. That's weird. But do you know why that happened? All right. God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and, and to preach there. Tell them that they need to repent or God was going to destroy them. And so if Nineveh was to the south, Jonah went north. Jonah wanted no part of this. You know why Jonah ran the other way? 
because he hated the people of Nineveh. If you read in chapter 3, it's a conversation between God and Jonah. And Jonah says, God, I knew you were going to do this. He, see, he went to Nineveh and he preached and the whole city repented. And God spared him. And Jonah said, God, I knew that you were going to do this. But I wanted you to destroy them. I knew that you would have mercy on them. I knew that you would love them. But I wanted them to die. Jonah hated those people. And so look, I think that we have two responses that we can take to this. Because God's clearly saying to us, prophesy to the bones. You can either be obedient to God, out of love for God, out of love for those people, and tell them the good news. Or you can look at them and say, I hate you. Will you prophesy to the bones? Sherry's going to come and play some music. But let me, just, let me just challenge you with this today. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And we're going to have a time where, where you can respond. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ... You've never accepted the grace and the love of Jesus. We're going to have pastors down here. Cliff, Donnie, and Chris are going to be down front. Come and talk to them. Like If you have questions, that's cool. Come and talk to them. If you know exactly what needs to happen, awesome. Come and talk to them. If you need to grab a friend, grab a family member, you just want them with you, that's awesome. We, we, we want to have that conversation. But I challenge you to move. I challenge you to get out of your seat. To the Christians, I challenge you to move as well. I want to challenge you to come down front and to pray. Pray for the bones that God is sending you to. Like right, right now, you're thinking about the, the, the non-Christians in your life. You're thinking about that person that needs the gospel, that needs to either be at church or that you need to talk to. That's not just a coincidence. That's because God is putting those people on your heart. Because he's sending, he wants to send you to those people. So this morning I challenge you to come forward and pray for them. Pray and ask God for boldness and courage. Ask God to work in their lives. Ask God to give you the courage and the words to say so that you can prophesy to those bones. And I'm going to pray, and then I want you to come. And then I'll, I'll, I'll pray in just a little bit, and we'll sing a song, and we'll leave. So let's pray. God, you are so good to us. God, and can these bones live? Whether they're uh, people in here that don't know you, that have been faking it, or, God, they just are blatantly opposed to you. God, those bones can live by your power. And so, God, I ask that you would knock on their hearts now. Lord, make them uncomfortable. Lord, call them to you. God, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but you loved us. 
you're, you're rich in mercy and your love for us was so great that you died for us while we were still dead. God, we thank you for that. Lord, give us boldness and courage. Lord, I ask that you would be with the Christians here. Lord, give them the courage just to, to stand up and to come and to pray for these people in our lives that need you. God, we thank you and we praise your name. Amen. You come now and pray.